Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Sophia Levitsky-Whites. Sophia is a Brooklyn and LA-based TV writer and playwright. For TV, she was a writer for FX's Critically Acclaimed The Bear and Hulu's Dropout, and a writer for Stars Gaslit. As a playwright, her plays include This Party Sucks, Cannabis Passover, Be Mean to Me, and Intuitive Men. And her musical Nostalgia Night was produced in winter 2022. Sophia has projects in development with Lionsgate. Her play, This Party Sucks, is optioned by Mark Gordon Pictures for the stage and film TV rights. will be commercially produced next year. And The Bear Season 2 is expected to release in 2023. I want to start by apologizing for my voice. Got a cold a couple of weeks ago and just can't seem to get my voice back. Sophia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My first question is always, where are you in the world right now? I mentioned in your bio that you are both Brooklyn and LA based. Can you walk us through how that works? Have you always been in either of those places? How did you land so that you're in kind of both locations by Coastal? Totally. Yeah. So I'm originally from south of LA. So California is my home, but then went to graduate school at Northwestern. So I was in Chicago for a couple of years. And then from there, moved to New York and was there for about five or six years with one year in Minneapolis for a fellowship and sort of stuck it out through quarantine, did the playwright thing there. And then a little over a year ago, you know, was anticipating writer's rooms coming back to being in person and also just wanted to be closer to my family with sort of like, there's a joke I feel like in our industry about like, or at least in New York where it's like, when you turn 30, you get too tired and then have to go to LA, like if you're in New York. So I feel like that, you know, I turned 30 during quarantine and yeah, I just felt ready for, yeah, just to be in LA. So a little over a year ago, sort of like moved my stuff out here. And that was also right before the bear season one room. So that worked out well. And then have like a community in New York and sort of places to stay. And so I'm able to go out there and probably spend about a third of the year on the East Coast, which has been great. So just going out there for theater stuff and mostly here for TV and film, but mostly based in LA and currently in Pasadena in a very haunted house that I've been living in for the last year. Before we talk process, I would love to know, did you always want to be a writer? How did you get to this point in your career where you're a TV writer for, you know, The Bear, obviously a critically acclaimed show. I know you're a playwright as well. So walk us through your trajectory leading up to this point. Yeah. So I kind of always had like two passions, even when I was little, my parents will affirm this, but was always a performer, always really interested in performance and theater and storytelling in that way. And then also really interested in writing. So was writing these like weird little stories and novels and poems as a kid. And then went to an arts high school here in California and sort of started dabbling in both, but still for some reason really 
kept sort of those two interests separate and was very intimidated by playwriting. And it wasn't until undergrad, I went to Loyola Marymount University here in LA, where Beth Henley teaches and she's an amazing playwright. She wrote Crimes of the Heart. And I sort of told myself, like, if there's any time to take a playwriting class, like now would be the time. So I took it. I wrote this like really weird, dark play and it ended up getting produced in like the New Works Festival at LMU. And yeah, I always say like, I don't actually feel like playwriting specifically came naturally to me. I've always been a writer and words have been my foremost passion as far as communicating and seeing the world and experiencing the world. But I was really hard on myself with playwriting because it really is a very difficult form and you, you know, dialogue is so important. And I really think of dialogue as a muscle and it's something that you really have to work on to get better at. So kind of for the rest of college, I was continuing to act and direct and design and produce shows. But then at the same time was kind of starting to work on this playwriting muscle and the skill. And then when I graduated, I wanted to go to graduate school and really equally was interested in acting and directing at the time. But then when I was thinking about what career I wanted to have and what I really wanted to get better at, it was really playwriting. And so I looked for schools that had dual degree because I also at the time, you know, though theater was my passion, I was really interested in film and TV and sort of it was about the starting of the era of like, this is like about 10 years ago, I feel like when TV was like starting to get really, really exciting. And there's just more and more avenues for interesting work. So I specifically looked for programs that would teach me how to do film and TV writing as well. And amazingly got into Northwestern. I took a year off in between to apply and write a new sample. And that program was really phenomenal. It's a two-year program and it's taught by these incredible working playwrights who also do film and TV. And just had such an intense boot camp there of just writing and producing and writing and producing and pilots, screenplays, making films, editing films, directing, and of course, more plays. And basically went from there to New York, where I really kind of threw myself into the theater scene there and tried to sort of meet the right people, go to the shows, and just improve my craft like in a really, really intense way. And you know, I always tell people everyone's path is different and you really can't just follow, you know, someone else's path towards success in this industry. But I think hearing different paths is really useful because you really have to cobble your own together. And now sort of 10 years out, I can really look at my path and really see that for me, it's really two things that have kind of led me to this place of, you know, really doing ultimately what I really want to do professionally, which is playwriting, film and TV writing. And For me, it really was about relationships that I built over the course of a decade, just doing good work, following up with people, meeting people, getting recommended, you know, being a good person that people want to be around and be in a room with, and then just really diving into my theater work. And then that second thing really is a sample that I worked really hard on that came from a really raw and real place. And that's my play, This Party Sucks. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to have people respond to multiple plays, but that play really has been the one that, you know, has helped me get success in the film and TV world. It's the thing that people read first. It's the thing that every showrunner has read and every interview I've had. It's what my agents responded to initially. So I think, you know, really writing the thing that only you can write and really, you know, making sure that sample is as good as it can be and coming from a really 
true and specific place. And then, yeah, just building these relationships. And that's sort of how I, at this point, can chart my success up to this point, which is like, yeah, just like doing good work from project to project also. And then, you know, feeling like people hear your name, they want to work with you. And then ultimately, you know, believing in me as a writer as well. Sophia, we usually frame our episodes around themes. In this case, I would love to focus this episode on writing a TV show, perhaps using the bear as an example. Would that work for you? Great. Yeah. Awesome. Building off kind of where you left off with your career trajectory, I would love to get a little bit more granular with the first step in working on the bear, which I'd imagine is you getting that first gig. So can you walk us through the specifics of how that unfolded? You mentioned your writing sample being a playwright. Is that how this came about? Walk us through how you got the first gig. Yeah. So my first official staffing, like as a staff writer, was for the show Gaslit on Stars. And that was a long room that was about four months. And I was basically just coming off that room and heard through my reps at the time that there was staffing for a mini room, which was just going to be a five-week room for this show that hadn't even been picked up yet and ordered to series called The Bear. And Hero Mariah's company was putting together this mini room. And so my managers at the time had submitted me. And coincidentally, at the same time, there's this... This is also like a crazy part, which you know I always tell theater people this and they don't really believe it. But there's this website called New Play Exchange, which is like a database for new plays that you can upload. And I have my plays on there. I barely ever go on there. But I had gotten a cold email from this guy, Cooper. And he was like, I read your play and I really loved it. Would you have a meeting with me? And, you know, typically those go through, you know, your managers or agents. But I was like, sure, I'll have this meeting with you. And so we had this Zoom meeting and this was spring 2021. And he was like, I love this play. Like, it would be great to work together. And I was like, great. And really didn't think much of it. But then after my managers had submitted me for the mini room for the bear, I saw when they forwarded me the materials and Cooper's name was on there. And I realized that he, at the time, was Chris Storer, who's the creator of The Bear, his sort of second in command, and now you know is an exec for his company. And so there was a weird sort of convergence there of Cooper having already read this play and had met with me, and then you know submitting me in a more traditional way. So then I met with Joanna Kahlo, who's the co-showrunner. Had an amazing meeting with her. We talked about again. The show is so young; it was like you know, it hadn't even been ordered to series. And I think when I read the scripts, I was just like, oh, this is, you know, this is special. Like there's something really interesting going on here and love Joanna. And then after Joanna, you know, then we had another meeting with Chris, had a great conversation. I mean, for me, everyone has a specific entry point for the show. I think for me, I really compared it to theater and sort of this idea that, you know, you do this because you love it and you don't make a lot of money for a long time and you're working late into the night. And, you know, there's, often like sort of abuse that you're dealing with and we're all sort of in the thick of it together. And so we had this great conversation and it was just me and two other writers in this mini room for five weeks, which was really fun. We built out sort of the whole projected season and then they went off and shot the pilot and, you know, waited to hear if it was actually going to be picked up in order to series. And I remember when I saw the pilot that summer, 2021, I just was blown away and I was like, this show is going to be really special. And I told everyone in my life, like, this is going to be the one, you know, then we came back for the first season and then, you know, it didn't come out until this year, but it was very cool to see that it did indeed, you know, have such a great response. I would love to, for those who might not know, we love going through process and 
specific to the writer's room. I'd love to know how that works from your perspective on a very high level. And then my second part of the question is the bear is about a kitchen, a restaurant, you know, chef is working in a writer's room in any way similar <laughs> to being in a kitchen. Yeah. So first, you know, the way every room is a little different and it's really, the tone is really set by the showrunners. And in this case, Joanna and Chris are both incredibly generous and kind and lovely people. And so every, you know, I've been now in three iterations of the room and they've all been incredibly chill and lovely. And the work that we do is really good. And we sort of work until we figured it out. And then we go home and we like have delicious meals. And it really is like such a humane way to run a room. And basically most rooms operate in the sense of you, you know, talk about the season as a whole first, and you look at it kind of in a macro way and you build out those character arcs, the emotional arcs, the relationship arcs, and you kind of figure out then like sort of plot wise, what you have to hit through the episodes. And then you sort of get more and more granular and go episode by episode, usually in order and start breaking the episodes. And again, every room is different for the bear. When you get assigned your episode as a writer, then you are the one in that case, you know, we have a sense of what's happening in the episode. But then for instance, you know, last month when I was working on my episode, I had a chance to sort of lead the room a little bit and pitch out what I wanted from the episode, knowing sort of the broad strokes about it, and then get pitches from everyone else and get feedback from everyone else, create an outline that then Joanna and Chris would edit and then go to script and actually write the script out, which then, of course, as the showrunners, they rewrite after that. But other shows are different. Sometimes you break every single beat of a story altogether, and then you go off and work on you know your episode with the outline that everyone's created. So it really depends. I think in this case, it being a half hour and being a sort of very lived-in show, it was fun to give the writers a little bit more freedom at that stage. And yeah, I mean, I think that you know what's fun about the bear and also what's sort of profound about it is that it's you know, it takes place in a really specific environment that is highly relatable to people who have worked in kitchens, to chefs, to servers, to cooks, and people really responded to it in that way. But I think what elevates it even more is that it's both highly specific and can be applied to so many different types of work and so many industries. And I think my, like I said, my entry point was theater, but I also think like you could very easily apply it to a film set. You could apply it to academia. You could apply it to plenty of workplaces where we are trying to break down this idea of what makes something good and is a certain way of leading the only way to make something good. And I think in my own work, I'm really interested in challenging the idea that you need sort of some, you know, quote unquote, like genius male to lead the creation of something great. And just because something has sort of always been done a certain way and, you know, that this insistence on like working till you're going to die and like beating yourself up if you don't get something perfect and, you know, working all hours of the night that like, maybe there are certain things we can borrow from the way that things have gone, but also there are other ways to lead. And I think having Joanna and Chris as such incredible leaders and 
who are so aware of like everyone living full lives outside of this project, outside of this room, and that they also do just created an environment of kindness and generosity that is really exciting to me and also showed that like it's proof like this show is so successful and you don't have to create like a toxic environment to make that kind of work. And even the way Chris is on set, like he has, you know, specific hours that he works. He doesn't, he's not an asshole. Like I think that all of us having had those experiences with leaders and wanting to try to create something different. And so it's been really amazing. So, you know, I would say that, you know, the room can feel like a restaurant in that, you know, there's a hierarchy and there's an order to things and there's a system and there's a family, you know, like, I think that's, what's beautiful about the show too, is that it's representing sort of found family and that all of those things definitely apply. But then I think it's been cool to break down sort of what makes a more negative version of that and to not have that represented in this room at all. In a writer's room, there are many different voices. You just walked us through the process and what it looks like, but for all the different types of personalities that are in there, how would you describe yourself? How do you fit into that room? And has that changed over time? I love that question. And I think, you know, it's an anxiety for anyone who's, you know, in their first writer's room, like, how am I going to fit in? How am I going to share my voice? How am I going to get my ideas in there? You know, what is my role in the room? And of course, I had all those anxieties, you know, two years ago when I started. But I think what's wonderful is like, you start to feel that out really naturally and also realize that you don't have to be great at everything. Like, like you said, there's many different voices and sort of finding the thing that you are great at and that you can share in the room is a really incredible experience. And mine feels really clear to me, which is that I just have an obsession with relationships and emotional arc and sort of relationship arc and the way that, you know, if someone feels this way in episode two, they're going to feel this way in episode four. And how are these two people or three people relating to each other over the course of a season, over the course of an episode, over the course of a series? And I just like hone in on that. It's what I focus on in my personal writing as well. And so I feel like in every room, that's been the thing that, you know, everyone has the thing they're like looking out for, they're keeping track of. And you don't even necessarily talk about those things. It just sort of comes sort of naturally. And for me, it always is this obsession with where people are at emotionally. And it's something that I really, really believe in, which is that you know, I think what elevates art from being good or fine to like actually great is when we really feel the emotions of the characters and we feel that they've authentically grown and shifted and changed over the course of, you know, an episode or a season or a show. And so I feel really proud of the work I've done in all three of those shows that has really honed in on those relationships, on those emotional arcs. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, 
is all about celebrating people's favourite movies in whatever form they take. Each week I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flicker and Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flicker and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. I know that for the actors, when they are prepping for a show like this, they tend to train with a chef, they get in the kitchen. For a writer writing a show about a kitchen, a chef, restaurant, from your perspective, was that something that you had to immerse yourself in to get into that mindset? Yeah. I mean, what's been great about having the mini room and then the two seasons is, you know, we've had the opportunity to speak to a ton of chefs and also people this season, you know, people in other positions in restaurants. And Chris Storer is really connected. His sister is a successful chef here in LA, Courtney Storer, and she's a consultant on the show. And Maddie Matheson, who plays a role in the show and also is a successful chef. He's another consultant. And so we always kind of have them to come back to and create the menus and create that sort of verisimilitude in the cooking parts of the show. And then Chris is just incredibly well-connected and we've gotten to meet so, so, so many chefs from across the world, honestly, and had them come in, ask them like every tiny little question, you know, and they've been so generous with answering. And then, you know, through the beginning also, you know, reading books, watching interviews, like watching documentaries. It's been very fun to really get into that world. And we really have the benefit of having a lot of professionals around us who can make sure we're, you know, doing it in the right way. You mentioned part of the writer's room process was plotting out the character arcs. Obviously, in this show, when it starts, you're kind of thrown in. And over the course of the first season, a big part of that is the reveals of some of these backstories. I imagine that was very purposeful. What was the thought process for revealing the characters over time as opposed to just throwing it out there in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was always the intention. And for me, what works about that for this show is that like the pace is so important in this show and the idea that it is quite immersive. And that's to me what makes it feel really fresh and different is that you are literally thrown into the kitchen with the characters and you're sort of catching up. and. It's also a taste thing. I mean, I think Chris and Joe obviously feel this way. It's part of why I responded to the initial scripts. Like, as a viewer, I really like to have my intelligence assumed and I like to be, have to catch up to what's happening. And I don't want to be spoon fed sort of all the information. And I also just think it works with the format of this show because, you know, there's no time to go back and explain everything, you know, right away. You have to just keep moving forward, which also to me works thematically because one of the elements of the show is that, you know, you can't escape your past and you can't escape, you know, the things that happened to you and the way that you were and the relationships that you've had and that like it will catch up. And so I think starting us from a place of just like forward momentum and then having that creep in is also, you know, a really good emulation of the form of the show and the themes. As a playwright, when you're writing a script, what are the pros? Obviously you mentioned dialogue. And what are the cons to going into writing a TV show as opposed to a play? 
Yeah. I mean, I feel really lucky in that they really inform each other. And I felt that way since grad school, you know, doing all three film, TV and theater. And I think what's great is that you really, for me, at least, I feel like I get to sort of like enjoy one until I get sort of sick of it. And then I get to do the other one and then enjoy that till I get sick of it. And I think really the biggest difference is that in playwriting, all you have is your copyright. And so, you know, playwrights are not typically paid very much. It's a hard sort of profession to have as your only profession, but you are the creator. And at the end of the day, like it is your piece of writing and like you are the keeper of everything that is inside of that. And people collaborate with you and there's directors and actors and designers, but like it's your play and it's your creation. And so there's a lot of time spent sort of internally wrestling with that and, you know, more solitary time, which you know, is not my favorite part of theater. I think that we do theater because we want to be collaborating in rooms with people and around tables. And so when I started doing TV, I actually felt it was very natural to sit at a table and, you know, wrestle with ideas with people because that's what I was doing in black box theaters for, you know, my whole life. But, you know, really the big difference is that in a TV show, you are, you know, no idea really belongs to you. Like, we always say like it belongs to the room. And so like you say something, someone might build on it, change it, you know, and in five minutes, it's totally transformed. And you can still feel really good because you're like, you know, I said the thing that, you know, inspired this person to say this. And, you know, when I started doing TV, I actually found it so liberating where it was like, I don't have to own all of these ideas. I can just be a part of these like great minds in this room circling around the best version of the thing. And the TV that I've worked on, at least, has been incredibly rigorous in that way. And that, you know, we really are trying to find that best thing and we're not letting up until we get there. And then I think after doing TV for a year and a half and really enjoying that and feeling so grateful, there was a part of me that, you know, started to miss theater and to miss, you know, to miss that sort of like magical kind of ownership and freedom and to be kind of as weird as possible and be outside of commerce in that way. And So I finally, I think after a year and a half, was able to then fall back in love with theater. And I wrote my first play this year. I realized it had been four years because of pandemic. And I was able to write it, you know, at this residency in a couple weeks. But I, you know, before that had not even really thought about how I would write a play again. because I, you know, it had been so long. And so I think it really was like working in TV for a while that made me remember, you know, there is this sort of beautiful, different type of liberation when you're working on theater, which is really about just getting weird in your own in your own brain and not having to like share, you know, every idea all the time. But then I love that about TV too. So I feel like they really complement each other for me. And they also make me better at each form because I do it. The Bear season two is coming out in 2023. Can you talk about where you're at in the process right now? And also what you may or may not be most excited about? Totally. Yeah. So we finished the writer's room a couple weeks ago, and then they'll go into production in the winter. So we have like a couple months in between that. And, you know, it's really fun to work on a show that was so well received and got such a great response because I think it gave us a lot more freedom to do what we wanted and a lot more trust, you know, to just be able to write the thing that we really want to write. And I think you know, without giving anything away, I think what I'm most excited about is that freedom to really go deeper, even deeper into the characters and get a little weirder, you know, go sort of more in, you know, what people loved about the first season, but also, you know, not just give people 
the same thing again, you know, give people something that they don't expect as well, while still being, you know, in this amazing world that we created and that Chris and Joe really, you know, brought to life. And so I think it's going to be a really incredible season. We had three new writers who are all amazing. And yeah, I just, I feel so, so, so excited for everyone to see it. Obviously, we've talked about the bear today. For your career in the long run, what else are you planning to work on? What else would you want to work on? What are your career goals? What's your five, 10 year plan? Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's really about the creator path and, you know, continuing to staff for the right projects. And I've learned so, so much from staffing, but in that next few years range, really want to create and show run my own shows and really, you know, be a part of that conversation as a creator. And so I've been pitching and I have a couple of things in development. And so hopefully those will go through eventually. And, you know, those are my original projects. So just really excited about bringing those to life in different capacities and also super excited about writing and directing movies. I have like a feminist horror movie that I'm working on right now that I hope to direct eventually and continuing to sort of work in the feature space as well as continuing to do theater. So, you know, that's the hope that, you know, hopefully my play is happening next year in New York and, you know, have these other plays as well and my new play. So just continuing to kind of be in the three different media and going sort of from one to the next is the dream. Sophia, are you ready for a series of questions we call a series of seemingly random questions, which are usually pretty rapid fire? Sure. Yeah, sounds good. The first one, as a writer, how do you combat writer's block? I feel that I reject the idea that like you have to write every day. And so I don't, you know, I have a really strong philosophy for like work hard, rest hard, play hard. And so if I can't write, then I do something else until I feel like, you know, it's the last possible moment for me to be able to write. And I also really only can work from like deadlines. It's really hard for me to invent a reason to create something. So usually it's like, (laughs) I'm going to be humiliated if I can't finish this thing. And so I have to power through and do it. Our next question was, what motivates you to keep writing every day? (laughs) You beat us to that question. The next one, if you could suggest a question that we ask one of our next guests, what is a question you would ask a writer? I would ask, what was the last dream that you can remember that you had? We always flip that question. What was the last dream? (laughs) (laughs) That's tricky. Um, God, I have a dream journal I've been keeping. I had a dream that I was stuck in a like frozen landscape. Like it was like the Arctic or something. And there was like three people with me and everyone was sort of like frozen in the snow. And I could see all the snow like on their like eyelashes. And I was really worried I was going to freeze to death. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) The next question, what's a TV show or film that you're watching right now that inspires you? I mean, it's really typical, but I love White Lotus. I just think that Mike White is such an incredible writer and I was skeptical about a second season because the first season was so good, but I am like loving the second season and it feels, it just feels like TV that is like so juicy and like the storytelling and the character development is so good. And I could just like watch these characters do anything. It's like not about the plot. It's just about like this incredible cast of characters and the actors are amazing. So I feel like I'll go with White Lotus season two. Second to last bonus question. If you could take any writer living or dead to any restaurant, which writer would you choose which restaurant and why? 
would I choose? Um, Anais Nin, I think, is my girl. She's my favorite. And I would probably take her to... What do I love right now? There's this restaurant in Silver Lake called Botanica, and it's just beautiful. And I'm obsessed with it. And the food is so good. And I feel like she would like it. So I'd probably take her there. The last bonus question. When you were describing your career trajectory, you talked about some of the things that you had done that led to your success. Is there one thing, one learning or insight from your career that you'd like to pass along to the writers who are listening? Yeah, I just would reiterate that, you know, as we're learning to be artists, we're consuming a lot of art and we're necessarily comparing ourselves to our peers and to our mentors and to people that we look up to. And that's all part of the process is finding out, you know, what you like so that you can create something. But I think at the end of the day, what I always tell students and younger artists or people starting out or at any leg of your path, which is, you know, only you can tell the story that you have to tell and leaning into what that authentic story is and using your authentic voice is the thing that's going to set you apart. And, you know, there's been many factors of where I've gotten to where I've gotten today, but like this one play that I mentioned, this party sucks, like came from a highly specific personal experience. It's obviously fictional, but I think it's really empowering to lean into moments of intensity and pain and discovery in our lives and help process them into art and create, you know, again, the thing that only you can create and no one has the voice that you have. And that's the way that people will really start to see you as an artist and a writer is if you just write that thing and don't care what people think, you know, until it's done and just be as authentic and bold as possible inside of it. Very last question. Did you have fun today talking, writing and process with us? Yeah, it's so much fun. Thank you. As we mentioned, Sophia has projects in development and a lot coming up. Obviously, the bear season two, we discussed briefly, expected to come out in 2023. Please check that out. I know everybody's very excited about that. Sophia, before you go, is there a place that people can go to find you? Did you want to plug any website, social media, Instagram? Yeah, I have a website. It's just my name, sophialevitskywhites.com. And yeah, feel free to also follow me on Instagram. You can find it through there. Awesome. Thank you again, Sophia, for your insights and time. It was really an honor and exciting to talk to you about all things process and writing the bear season one. Thank you so much and good luck with everything. We're really excited to see what's on the horizon. Thanks so much. It was great to talk to you and meet you too. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the writer experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating a review and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.